Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Monday, November 13th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Isabel Danzis. And I'm Liam Dahlborn. And here are today's headlines. Amtrak train service remains suspended between Albany and New York City. It's because of structural problems with the garage above the tracks in Manhattan. Right now, it's unclear how long Amtrak service will be affected. In the meantime, Amtrak is encouraging passengers to take Metro North. Amtrak is cross-honoring tickets for commuters. New York City's mayor is at the center of an FBI investigation. It includes campaign financing and the FDNY. Back in 2021, then-candidate Adams allegedly contacted the FDNY commissioner to open the Turkish government's consulate building in Manhattan. Initially, the building was closed for safety concerns. But after the nudge from Adams, the building was opened even though the concerns weren't addressed. It was open in time for the president of Turkey's visit. At this time, the exact focus of the FBI's probe is uncertain. According to a search warrant obtained by the New York Times, at least part of the probe focuses on whether the Adams campaign funneled illegal money from Turkey. At the time of this event, Adams was working as the Brooklyn Borough President. His authorities did not extend to the consulate in Manhattan. Adams put out an official statement saying that he has nothing to hide. Big news for the Union Square holiday market. Yep. In a new study by Yelp, the Union Square holiday market was rated the best in the United States. The study looked at holiday markets across the country. They came up with the ranking by looking at Yelp reviews of the businesses at the market. Nearly 2 million people visit the market every year, and there are over 150 vendors. New York's other holiday markets also did pretty well in the study, with the Chelsea holiday market making the list at number 16. To continue the holiday cheer, the shops at Columbus Circle have free Broadway concerts on Thursday nights. That's right, Liam. This This annual series called Broadway Under the Stars features performances from some of Broadway's most renowned and critically acclaimed shows. It takes place on level two of the mall under the holiday display of 12 massive stars, and it continues until the end of December. It features Broadway casts performing songs from their respective musicals. And the groups this year include the Book of Mormon, Wicked, Shucked, Lion King, and Aladdin. On this day in 1940, Disney premiered its groundbreaking film, Fantasia. Fantasia was Disney's third animated film, but it is widely considered to be its most experimental. The film featured eight vignettes set to classical music. They're meant to show off the range of animated films. Fantasia didn't originally have box office success, but appreciation for the film grew when it was released on home video in 1991. The the success of that film prompted a sequel, Fantasia 2000. Like the original, it pushed the limits of animated film. LGBTQ plus rights have expanded greatly since the 1960s. In this month's installment of Boredom Conversations, I sit down with Fordham professor Edward Cahill, His debut novel, Disorderly Men, focuses on the story of three men living in pre-Stonewall-era New York City. Could you just maybe start by giving listeners maybe like a brief description or a brief summary of what they can expect to read about in Disorderly Men? So Disorderly Men uh, follows the lives of three men from different walks of life 
whose worlds are turned upside down when they are arrested uh, in, in the police raid of, of a gay bar. Uh, so they each respond differently to uh, being arrested uh, and their lives become intertwined and they get very, very complicated. And in short, they decide not to not to give in to the oppression that they face, but rather to face it and to fight back. Why is sharing stories like this so impactful and so important? Well, you know, so many of the stories that were told in the 1950s and 60s in that mid-century period involved gay protagonists who did not end up doing very well. Often they were dead by the end of the novel. So I definitely wanted to kind of rewrite that story where our protagonists are not only not dead, but also really um, finding their agency and their power and fighting back. And you mentioned this a little bit before, but each of the protagonists kind of have a very different life trajectory, you know, where they are in their life currently and kind of their goals for where they're ending up. Why did you kind of choose to focus on these three particular stories? In a lot of ways, it's a story about three different ways of living in the closet. Uh, and one character is is mostly on his way out of it, and the other character is very firmly inside it. Um, so I wanted to explore different ways of being in the closet uh, and then the different psychologies that that involves, you know, in terms, especially the fear and the shame, and the way that these different characters respond or, or live with that fear and shame. It takes place in the 60s. Why is kind of focusing on a like a pre-Stonewall New York kind of an important time to highlight in, you know, the history of LGBTQ people in the city? Being queer in mid-century New York City or in mid-century America meant living in a very low information economy. People just didn't know very much. After Stonewall, there was a whole public discourse of homosexuality, of, of queerness, uh, there was organizing. There were groups that you could belong to. It was a political movement. So there was really very little information. There, were, there, were very, there was very little community. There simply wasn't a gay community the way there is now. So I wanted to find my characters in this low information economy. You know, it, it, it was the kind of moment where a police raid headline that outed queer people and destroyed their lives because people thought, oh, my gosh, you know, homosexuality, that's so scary. We don't know anything about it. But in the same way, that's how gay people found out where the bars were from those newspaper, um, those newspaper raid headlines. You know, there's not very much information out there. And when you don't have information, you have to find it. Um, and part of the, 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 the quest of these characters is finding themselves by finding each other. This was, we, you know, it's pre-Stonewall. It was a while ago. But why is this story still important and still relevant in today's society and where we are when it comes to queer rights now? Well, you know, we have come so far and, uh, you know, it's it's so great that, you know, you can you can, you know, marry the partner of your choice in every state in the United States, um, that I can be openly gay at the place where I work. But as we know, a lot of those rights are being debated right now and uh, books are being banned and curricula is being restricted and uh, trans kids can't get the medical care that they want. So in a way, the the controversies that we're facing right now, I think, actually make historical gay fiction seem a whole lot more contemporary. You know, the times are different, um, and I think we have so much more freedom now. But fear and shame are still there, and a lot of people are still growing up in the closet. What do you hope um, people who read this book kind of take away from it? What message would you want to be communicated to them? I, I, think, I think one important message is that there are men and women who are still alive today who suffered incredibly, uh, incredible amounts of, of uh, oppression. Um, and they did it almost entirely silently. 
Um, they didn't do it with very much sympathy. The characters in my novel would be old men today, uh, but they might still be alive. Um, this history is not that far from us. I was born in 1967. That's only five years after this novel takes place. So this is a recent history. That was my co-host, Isabel Danzis, talking with Edward Cahill about his new book, Disorderly Men. And that's our show for today. I'm Liam Dahlborn. And I'm Isabel Danzis. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.